You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio, brought to you by HoosierProud.com. There have been two games since we last joined you here on Assembly Call Radio, but of course, 95 minutes of basketball played in those two games, and the sad truth is that Indiana was outplayed for the majority of those 95 minutes by Northwestern and by Penn State. But ultimately, the bottom line is that the Hoosiers went 1-1 one and one in those two games and avoided sliding right off the brink, which they certainly would have done had they lost that game to Penn State. But they found a way to win in triple overtime, and they live to fight another day. And now the Hoosiers are presented with two opportunities this week to pick up wins that will impress the NCAA Tournament Committee. They haven't had one since November 30th against North Carolina, so it seems like it's about time to get one. I'm your host, Jared Morris, here to talk some IU basketball with you and with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, which you can listen to live immediately after every IU basketball game at assemblycall.com. And if you can't listen live, no worries. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll find us. Well, I will begin this week's show as we begin every post-game show, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment, the moment during the past week that most strongly suggested that Indiana is on the right path to hanging banner number six from the rafters in Simon Scott Assembly Hall. And for me, that moment came in the Penn State game. And you'll recall, in, I, I believe it was in the second half. I can't remember the exact play because after a triple overtime game, all the moments seemed to just run together. But there was a play where Thomas Bryant scored and was dancing for the crowd. And it reminded me of the Thomas Bryant from freshman year, the emotional, enthusiastic, excitable Thomas Bryant that was a crowd favorite, playing with a joy and a passion, unlike much that we had seen prior to him. And you heard the Thomas Bryant chants from the Simon Scott Assembly Hall crowd. And it was great to see a seeming culmination of his terrific two-game stretch, which we're going to get into here in a little bit. But clearly for this Indiana team to do anything as this season moves forward, they need superstar level, all Big Ten level, all American level Thomas Bryant playing at his best. And that's what we saw from him in these last couple games. And it was absolutely great to see. And now let me introduce my esteemed co-host to my left, we have the host of Bracketology.fm and the world's number one ranked bracketologist, according to Bracketmatrix.com. He is also the proud president of the Robert Johnson Fan Club. He is Andy Bottoms. Andy, welcome. What was your bottoms line from the past week in IU basketball? Well, this is the officially the time of year, and, if, and unfortunately, IU's in the position where it's going to be a weekly conversation, I feel like, about where IU sits on the, uh, on the NCAA tournament picture. So might as well hit that right off the top. I mean, I think that's where... Uh, last night's uh, win over Penn State, no matter how long it took and no matter how little we remember about exact moments, as you said, uh, was really important. It, it doesn't help IU, but it certainly would have hurt them quite a bit to to lose it. And um, so when you when you think about that, there 
you know, where they need to be. They're at 500 in the Big Ten, and I think if they finish there, they'll be in pretty good shape. Uh, how they do that and what guys they have available uh, in order to get there is certainly up in the air at this point. But uh, it was a it was a must win game, and they responded well after a, a couple really ugly outings uh, in the prior two games. So they they currently sit, you know, right around that 10 seed ish range, I would say, uh, as it stands today, and and do have those those top wins uh, that that very few other teams can claim. So that certainly helps. What doesn't help from a tournament perspective is the fact that they're only at, at 500 against the RPI's top 200 uh, at eight and eight. So uh, kudos to Liberty though, for uh, sneaking their way inside the top 200 to get it to that point. So uh, keep rooting for the the flames uh, in the big South, everybody. And, uh, but, but, you know, I, I think a lot to do a lot of chances, as we said, coming up where they can really improve that resume. Uh, and these are definitely make or break games as they, as they start to come up that I use got to figure out how to ultimately get, uh, to 500 in the league. And, uh, it will certainly be interesting to see whether they can do that with the, uh, with the guys that they have available and the challenges that we've seen this team have over the last few weeks. And to my right, we have a man who is still reeling from his beloved USC Trojans, losing a recruit to Tom Allen's Indiana Hoosiers, a columnist for the big and someone who is pissed at his parents for not having the last name Buffalo meat and naming him Kobe. He is Ryan Phillips. Ryan, welcome. What is your rant from the past week in IU basketball? I mean, it was right there. How did they fail me on that? It was right there, just sitting on a table waiting to be picked up. Um, You know, I think I've got to point out why I think there's some good feeling after watching the team battle against Penn State. I mean, a lot of people are, you know, down on, you know, how it happened and all that stuff. But watching them kind of gut out that win, I think there's a a really big difference if – Deron Davis doesn't make those free throws and, and and Josh Newkirk doesn't make that layup and, and Penn state walks into assembly hall and gets a win. Um, then there is today where people are just kind of like, wow, they really battled and escaped one. Um, but you know, you got to look at it right now. And if they struggled with, with, with Penn state at home, this team really has to pick it up because there is no break in these last eight games. There really isn't. I mean, there's no, there's no, incredibly weak team or situation that you can roll over. I mean, the lowest rated teams you're facing in this next stretch are Minnesota, Iowa, and Ohio state. And you face them all on the road. So I would say that, you know, every game left is, is going to be a battle for this team. And you're doing it without, as far as we know right now, we don't know if James Blackwood jr is going to play on Sunday. Um, but as far as we know, they're going to be doing it without three guys who were projected to start at the beginning of the season and, you know, starting a freshman right now, playing a couple freshmen, a lot of minutes, playing a guy who's a walk on like Zach McRoberts, a lot of minutes, um, you know, this team's got to find something. And and it, at times against Penn State, it looked like they did. It looked like, as you said, Thomas Bryant was back to being Thomas Bryant. And, and that's been a pattern for a few games now. You've kind of seen him start to maybe real remember who he was and what, what he's great at um, and, and, and showing the, the positive emotion that we that we that the team really fed off of last year and that we as fans recognized and loved. Uh, but right now. That needs to there needs to be more than that. And there needs to be more from the other guys on the roster. And and guys are gonna need to step up if we're gonna if Indiana's gonna, you know, turn this into something and make something out of this season. There, this is a tough road coming up ahead. As tough as we've seen it for Indiana in the last couple of years in the Big Ten. And uh it's it's really time for these guys to kick it into gear and that that starts Sunday against Wisconsin in as tough an environment as they're gonna play in, in the Big Ten. 
Absolutely. All righty. Well, we have a jam-packed show for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk about Thomas Bryant and his reemergence. Uh, we're going to talk about Indiana's guards, Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk, and how they adjusted to life without James Blackman Jr. Uh, and what life will look like moving forward if James Blackman Jr. can't get back into the lineup. Uh, we'll also look ahead to the big games this week against Wisconsin and Purdue. All of that on this week's edition of Assembly Call Radio. But first, I do want to take a quick second and tell you about our presenting sponsor, HoosierProud.com. If you consider yourself a Hoosier, and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their product so much that we moved production of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts to Hoosier Proud because they produce high-quality work, care about their customers, and take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code AC to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code AC to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips talking IU basketball. And guys, let's dive into Thomas Bryant and let's talk more about his week because you go back to that Northwestern game. It was an awful game for Indiana and the lone bright spot was the play of Thomas Bryant. He had 23 points. He had 12 rebounds. We saw him get back to being the guy that we know he can be, and then he took that to the next level against Penn State. Obviously, the the counting stats are inflated because he played 44 minutes, but he had 31 points, 11 rebounds, some huge, monstrous rebounds uh, in the second half that really helped keep Indiana in that game and gave them a chance to win. And we're seeing him, you know, Ryan, as you said, getting back to the block, doing what he does best. And so, you know, Andy, I'm curious from your perspective, what has been different about Thomas Bryant these last few games? Is this as simple as a guy, you know, kind of looking around and the other guys that were maybe projected to be early entrants to the draft, James Blackman Jr. and OG Ananobi are are down. And so he kind of looks around and it's like, hey, I'm the last man standing and he's taking it upon himself, or are the Hoosiers also doing more things to get him involved? I think it's a little bit of both. Uh, first, I'd like to give Ryan and I credit. Neither of us talked about how bad the officiating was last night in the opening, so, you know, got to pat ourselves on the back. I have restrained while. myself with a leash and a shock collar, and every time I mention them, I will be zapped. So right, I, there's a little extra going on there. I just want to let everybody know. Everybody wins when Ryan gets shocked with a, with a collar. So, uh <laughs> I mean, as far as Bryant goes, I, I think it's been a little bit of both the things that you said. I, I think particularly these last couple of games, I mean, there really aren't a lot of uh, proven offensive options to to go to out there. And for any of the conversations that we've had earlier in the year about guys not really understanding their role and figuring out where they fit in the pecking order of needing the ball, needing shots and all that, that has kind of, for better or worse, uh, sorted itself out via injury. And And so at this point, it really is, uh, you know, his show. And, and I think he's, you know, stepped up with that role in mind. Crean has mentioned uh, how he's, you know, really been more purposeful, I think, is a, a commentary on his leadership uh, over the last couple games. And I think the other thing is IU has certainly done a better job of getting him the ball and getting him the ball inside as opposed to outside. Uh, if you look at his you know game log for the last five games, he's taken at least nine two pointers. And there certainly were long stretches uh, prior to that where there were, you know, five games in a row, I think, where he didn't get to that mark. Uh, and so I think that's been important. I mean, he took 17 twos against Penn State. Now, obviously, he played 44 minutes, so uh, lots of times to shoot from just about anywhere. But 
uh, I think he's done a good job of really getting himself in the paint. And I use gone to him early. Uh, I think he's had the last the, the first basket in each of the last three games. Uh, and so I think they've really tried to get him involved early on. And uh, and it's really paid dividends as they move forward throughout the game. By the way, and we shouldn't say like, oh, he played 44 minutes like that discounts his numbers. That's amazing that he played 44 minutes playing as hard as he did, taking some pretty hard falls, too. Like those were that was a physical 44 minutes that he played and and hard fouls. Yeah. Yeah. And sorry. 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 You know, he played, you know, okay defense, had a block shot, had a couple of steals and didn't foul out until that last overtime. So, you know, that 44 minutes, that's a badge of honor for Thomas and for all the other guys on Indiana and to their credit, you know, the Penn State guys too Uh, but Ryan what have you seen from Thomas Bryant and how important is it that he continue this run of play this mentality and that Indiana continue feeding their beast down low as they try to navigate these final you know eight games of the Big Ten schedule well you've definitely seen a increased effort to get him the ball and I think that came largely after the Michigan game where you lost James Blackman Jr. so you lose your your top perimeter option obviously your focus is going to shift to the post and uh, I mean this is something they should have been doing all year and this is something that Thomas should have been focusing on all year this isn't just on the guards I mean this is he should have been planting himself down there you know I've, I've been on here begging for it for weeks for him to just forget the perimeter stuff yeah it's okay if off a screen and pop you want to step out and take a three occasionally because you can make them. But you've seen as he's played in the post more, he's getting better looks at threes on the perimeter and he's making them at a higher percentage. I think he's, was he three of five in the last two games? Um, and they're better shots. And, and so, you know, a lot of times this year, they set him up at the top of the key with a screen And a lot of times he's just been popping to the perimeter instead of rolling to the basket. Well, it should always be his default position to roll to the basket and pin somebody and and get, you know, set up on the block. And he's been popping too much out to the perimeter all year. So I think that has finally been hammered into him. And also, I think that, yeah, at some point you look around and you say, all right, uh, there's nobody else here who's going to help this team. It's got to be me. And, you know, the other guys are good and and they're playing. You know, some of them have stepped up in, in the absence of James Blackman, but he's got to be the guy for this team. And I think that that had to be the default position to start the season. So it's kind of disappointing that it's happening now when they're on the ropes. Had this been happening when they had the full complement of their team, uh, you know, this season might have turned out differently. But that's the thing is that when Bryant is motivated, gets the ball, gets position, nobody in the Big Ten can stop him. I don't care if it's 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 Caleb Swanigan or Ethan Happ. It's it's it's. There's nobody who can stop him when he is doing what he needs to do. He's just simply better than those guys. The question is consistently playing like it, and we've seen that the last two games. Hopefully that continues, and he didn't just do that because he wasn't going up against much size in the last two games. Yeah, and by the way, an underrated improvement for Thomas Bryant this year has been his defense, and it's not great, and there's still plenty of room to criticize him for his defense, but when you look at some of the numbers, his block percentage is up to 5.4% from 4.1 last year. His steal percentage is up to 1.8% from 1.2 last year, and he's doing all of this fouling less. So last year, he committed five fouls per 40 minutes. This year, he's only committing 3.9 fouls per 40 minutes. So he's able to be a more effective defender with less fouling, which has been nice to see. And obviously, he needs to continue that. I mean, I think it is undeniable that for Indiana to do anything the rest of this year, Thomas Bryant has to continue playing like a star 
And that's been the biggest development of these last two games is that Thomas Bryant is absolutely back to doing that. All righty, coming up, we are going to look to the backcourt, and we're going to talk about Robert Johnson, Josh Newkirk, their games against Penn State and Northwestern. That is next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. I agree with you. Uh, I've got more to say about this. I think you do, too. So coming up, we will continue our discussion on Tom Crean, and we'll get into that question of whether or not he and the team get a mulligan because of OG's injury. That's all next on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And guys, let's go to the backcourt. We just spent some time talking about Thomas Bryant in the front court. Let's go to the backcourt because Robert Johnson and Josh Newkirk really had to adjust last week to life without James Blackman Jr. And it really struck me watching Northwestern defend Robert Johnson and watching Penn State defend Robert Johnson, how much different life is offensively for him you know, without think about it last year, he had Yogi Ferrell and all those shooters out there. This year, he's had James Blackman Jr. that's been the main guy. And we know that Robert is an elite catch and shoot guy. And when he gets clean, open looks, they're going to go in most of the time. But he's not getting those looks. And he's having people deny him the ball. And it's just, it's putting him in different positions and making offensive life much more difficult for him than it has been. Um, what have you seen, Andy, in terms of what he's doing to adjust? And, and how do you think he has done adjusting to much more difficult life on offense? It, it's definitely been a mixed bag. I think you can see him really trying to be more assertive. Uh, and at times in the Penn State game did try to come and take the ball when I needed a basket and really made some nice you know, floaters in the lane, didn't get himself in a position where he was, you know, too close to the basket was going to get shots blocked or, or really get challenged shots at the rim, which was a big difference in what we saw against Northwestern. I mean, you need look no further than he was O of seven on two pointers against Northwestern and nine of 12 against Penn state. Now, part of that is, uh, you know, just defensive quality, defensive effort and those kinds of things. But I think the, you know, the overall quality of the two point shots that he took there was, was significantly better. Uh, I think where you really see, and you brought this up on the show, uh, after the Penn state game was that, you know, he's not getting as many catch and shoot looks. Uh, and so he's having to try to either shoot more off the dribble from three and, and do some shot fakes and, uh, into things like that, or really rely on, uh, other guys to, to get him involved in a way that he had at least different guys than he's had to rely on in the past to get him look. So, uh, I, I think the turnovers, if anything last in, in the, in the Penn state game were really what stood out to me where he really struggled, uh, in, in terms of just taking care of the basketball, uh, trying to find that line between being more assertive, having more required of him, if you will, in the offense, uh, and, and really playing smart. And the turnover rate is something from him that we'd really seen come down uh, earlier in the year. But now that he's being asked to do a little bit more, uh, getting the ball in some tougher scenarios where he's got to go get a bucket, and and I think that manifested itself in some what were largely careless uh, turnovers against Penn State. You know, Ryan, one of the big storylines early in the season, especially when Josh Newkirk was really struggling, is, well, why don't they just play Robert Johnson and James Blackman Jr. as the guards and let Robert be the point guard? Have we kind of learned, as this season has gone along, why maybe Tom Crean was reluctant to do that and that that's not really a role that Robert is suited for? I think so. I mean, I, I talked about this on the postgame show. I just he, he, 
Robert can't is capable of bringing the ball up, but when he does it, he brings the ball up very slowly. He walks it up. He is content to kind of hold the ball in the corner and, and kind of just pound the ball into the, uh, into the, into the floor for a while and, and not really get the offense moving. Whereas you see Newkirk get it and it's not a Yogi sprint. Like we saw last year. I mean, Yogi would catch the ball full speed from the inbounds off a made basket. Um, but Newkirk, you know, is trying to push the tempo more and, and that's where Indiana's offense is at its best is when it pushes the tempo even if you don't get a basket in transition you put the defense on the defensive for lack of a better word they 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 have to get into position fast find their man and then if you're moving quickly before they can sit and set and 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 set up their defense you put them behind the eight ball immediately um when you walk the ball up which is what robert has a tendency to do you just let them get settled and and it's that's detrimental to the kind of offense indiana runs And, and i think that while Robert is certainly capable of doing that uh, and being a point guard, I just don't think he's a fit right now for that. And, and uh, you know, to Tom Green's credit, he must have seen that to not just turn the ball over to him as the point guard early in the year. And it's something that we wondered about, like, why aren't they doing this and why don't they change this? Well, I think we've seen why um, it's taken a while for Josh Newkirk to figure this out. I mean, I think maybe in hindsight, we should have been more patient with him. He had microfracture surgery. He sat out all of last year. Now he's starting to become an integral part of the team. And you saw it the other night. That was easily against Penn, uh, Penn State. That was easily his best game of the season uh, and you know best game in a Hoosier uniform. And you're starting to see what he can bring and the aggressiveness and effectiveness he can bring to the team. Now, again, one game doesn't make it. And, and, and there's going to need to be a consistency to Josh's game that he doesn't have right now. Um, but as far as seeing Robert Johnson playing point guard, I just, I understand why it's not working out and, and why that never happened. He can bring it up in a pinch, but it just doesn't fit the offense the way he does it. And his lack of aggressiveness with the ball in his hand. Andy, does the fan club have a rebuttal? Uh, no, I, I really don't. I think you see that a little bit in even just post entries and things like that. In, in the Northwestern game, uh, you know, Northwestern, pretty much anybody who was trying to enter the ball to Bryant in the post, Northwestern was sloughing so far off of them, basically daring anybody else to shoot that really cut down any angles to pass. And of the guys who are uh, actually able to, you know, walk without a limp at this point, Johnson is really the only guy who. Uh, you know, can really keep defenses honest, but he's really struggled to feed the post effectively. Devonte Green, um, by by my count, is really the guy who seems to be best at getting Bryant the ball down there. And so, Ian McRob- it's Ian McRoberts are the, are the two best, I think, personally. Yeah, and McRoberts is hard because that was you know that was one of the guys in the Northwestern game. I mean, his man is you know five feet backed off of him, not letting him get that pass in there. So you'd like to see them run some two-man stuff with Johnson and Bryant with both those guys playing well they're the two best offensive options right now but uh, I think he struggled a little bit to pass the ball there the other thing I would call out uh, unrelated to to what Ryan said was you know Johnson did have 11 rebounds uh, in that in that game against Penn State and I think you start to see Crean has talked about how important it is for the guards to rebound. That was something that Blackman did really well. So, you know, maybe a one game thing and and who knows whether we'll see that again, played 50 minutes, which is insane, uh, you know, and had 11 rebounds, but you know, he's been pretty consistently getting five or so rebounds a game. And I think that's a, uh, you know, another important contribution that he's made and something he's going to need to do more of uh, for the, the amount of time uh, Blackman's going to miss. Yeah. And Devonte green had 10 rebounds too. And we'll talk about him uh, a little bit more in-depth in our third segment. You are listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I'm Jared Morris here talking IU Hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And Ryan, let's talk a little bit more about Josh Newkirk because 
you know, look, when Indiana was really struggling uh, in games like against Nebraska and, and against Louisville and against Butler, you saw Josh Newkirk playing 25 or more minutes. And a lot of us said, look, Josh can be an effective part of the rotation. He's just overexposed right now, given, you know, kind of how well he was playing. Well, his minutes were reduced. And as he started to play 24 or fewer minutes, Indiana's wins started to go up and they won four out of five games. And then we saw the minutes creep back up again against Michigan and Northwestern, in part because Blackman was out against Northwestern and Indiana played poorly. Now, again, we just mentioned, to his credit, against Penn State, he played 46 minutes and absolutely turned in by far his best performance as a Hoosier, really doing a great James Blackman Jr. impression with 27 points, 4 of 8 from downtown, 5 of 6 on twos. You know, he didn't have that many assists. It was very much a James Blackman-like game. And who knows, that may end up just being an aberration, and we look back at it, and it's like, what the heck happened that night? But if that can be any sort of trend, and if he can be a guy who can be relied on offensively, it kind of changes the dynamic for this team moving forward. Now, I'm not ready to rely on that yet, but who would have thought that we would even see a glimpse of it that strong? And that, at least, is something encouraging for IU fans. And I'm glad earlier that you mentioned patience, you know, and, and remembering the injury that he had. And maybe it is something where it just took him you know, more than half the season to get going, but we see better play from him down the stretch. Yeah, you, one thing you have to remember, too, is against Northwestern and against Michigan, we lauded him after the game, not for playing great, but for his effort, for at least being one of the few guys that put in a full uh, effort and, and uh, was really trying to do stuff. Now, he wasn't finishing well around the hoop. And, and look, with as quick as he is off the drive, he's got to be able to finish at the hoop or get fouled, one of the two. Uh, you know, and, and you saw some of that. Uh, finally starting to go in against Penn State, and he's got to be able to finish through contact. Um, so there's plenty to work on. I'm not, you know, obviously we're not sitting here saying that he's a finished product and all. Oh, there he is. He's finally here. This is the guy we expected. But, you know, what we saw against Penn State was a guy, A, willing to take ownership and, and take some big shots, B, a guy that when the chips were down was able to press on and keep fighting something that, you know, we haven't seen from a lot of guys on this team and, and see the guy who, I mean, he hit a huge shot that layup at the end of, uh, was it the first overtime? I think yeah, first uh, overtime. That, that, that went in. I mean, those overtimes all ran together for me. I'm sorry, folks. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, he, he made that ridiculous layup to, to tie the game. I mean, without that, it's a loss. It's, you know, it's, you know, he was a savior in that stance. And the fact that without all of those 27 points, Indiana loses and without his 46 minutes of playing defense, Indiana loses. I mean, it's, 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 I know it's been a tough year for him and, and look, the new guy, Oftentimes you give freshman leeway, but you bring in a new guy and that's who the focus of your eye is going to be, especially when he's an upperclassman. And so Newkirk has probably been unfairly maligned by us as well as Indiana fans, Um, you know, because, again, it's a new situation for him. Yeah, he was with the team last year, but he wasn't playing. There's a different, you know, dynamic between practicing and playing. So I think that, you know, we'll see how he comes out against Wisconsin. And obviously what I mean, it seems like we say this every week now with how they've been struggling. This is the biggest game of Indiana season on on Sunday and also the biggest opportunity for Indiana on Sunday. You're playing a top 10 team. Um, So I I think that he's got to come out on fire. He's got to play great defense uh, and and he's got to at least be effective offensively um, and, and not turn the ball over. 
And, and those are all things he struggled with this year. So he's got to do it again. I mean, he did it against Penn State. He's got to do it again. This is not a this is not a one-off performance. It can't be if Indiana wants to keep moving forward. And, and by the way, I mentioned his minutes. He did play 34 minutes against North Carolina and 35 against Kansas, which were his, his second and third highest minute totals of the season. So maybe we were all wrong, and he should have been playing more minutes <laughs> all along uh, because, you know, obviously those, those led to big wins. Andy, what have you seen? Uh, or what did you see from Josh last night that, that is something that you believe could actually be carried forward and not just something that we look back on and are like, oh, yeah, that happened. Uh, I thought he did a better job of picking the spot to drive into the rim and, and certainly finishing was was good. He was five of six on, on two pointers. I think all of those were right around the basket. Uh, you know, I think he you know may have taken one jumper in there. I forget. But you know, that was something we saw from him at times earlier in the year where he would take these kind of mid range two point shots that uh, are, are not shots that IU takes very often at all. Uh, and, and part of that may have been that he was concerned he wasn't going to be able to finish at the rim. So I think, you know, hopefully, you know, that, that consistent effort to get to the hoop and, and being able to finish there is something that he can build on. And, and the three point shot, uh, you know, apparently the, the shot doctor, Tim Buckley, you know, got with him and, and Crean talked in the post game press conference about him just getting more lift on his shot. And then I look back now, he was two of 14 in big 10 play coming into last yeah. night, uh, in on three pointers. And so they talked about him trying to get more lift and that it really wasn't, uh, anything, anything more complicated than that. And so you saw him be able to do that. It really did hit some big threes. Uh, you know, a couple of those came at really key times, uh, one in the, in the final overtime to, you know, start that five point run between he and Devonte green. And so, uh, you know, hopefully that's sustainable. I think history would suggest probably not going to see him shoot 50%. You know, water finds its level at some point as it did from earlier in the season to where he is now, but, um, at, at least gives him some confidence moving forward because there aren't a lot of places to turn on the roster at this point. So, uh, using the bench as a motivator is even less possible than we probably thought that it was, uh, earlier on, but even in a brief stint that seemed to work with him last night. Andy, you mentioned Indiana shot doctor. We have our own shot doctor here on the assembly call. Let's go to him. Dr. Buffalo meat. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. I, you can call me Kobe. It's fine. Uh, no, uh, Newkirk has a very flat shot, uh, from the perimeter. And so getting lift on is incredibly important when you don't have a whole lot of arc on your shot initially. Um, and that's been a problem since the beginning of the year. And I think it's been a problem since, uh, you know, his entire career, but also when you have a leg injury, you t- your shot tends to flatten anyway because you don't get as much lift in your jump. So putting more rotation, more height on the shot, and and more lift as they they refer to it, it's the same as getting more height basically. Um, it makes the shot a lot softer, makes it easier to go in, and uh, you got to get it over that front rim uh, to to have a shot to go in, and that's that's why you add more lift to your shot. So he 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 has had a very flat shot all season, and when you have a flat shot, it has to be perfect every time to get it to go in. Thank you, doctor. You're welcome. I went to my. I went to. I got Coming my basketball up, PhD. We, we, we got to go. Coming up, we turn our attention to Devonte Green and Duran Davis, Indiana's freshman. That is next on the assembly call. Stay with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call, presented by HoosierProud.com, where they offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their pride in being a Hoosier. I'm Jared Morris, talking IU basketball with my co-hosts on the Assembly Call IU postgame show, Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. You can join us after every IU basketball game over at AssemblyCall.com and every Friday right here for Assembly Call Radio. 
Gentlemen, let's talk about a couple of freshmen who played key roles in Indiana's win over Penn State. And as you look for positives in a season that, you know, again, heading into that Penn State game felt so close to sliding off of the brink, and fortunately it did not. But as you look for positives and look toward the future, you know, these freshmen are going to be big parts of that future. And Devontae Green has now started two games in a row. His performance against Northwestern was entirely forgettable, as was everyone's not named Thomas Bryant. But he had an interesting game against Penn State. He played 45 minutes, you know, didn't shoot well. He was 3 for 11, but he had 10 rebounds. He had four assists. He missed a couple key free throws, but then came back and made a couple of big free throws. It's the kind of game that you want to see from a freshman, playing a lot of minutes, making some big plays at winning time. Maybe the kind of game that he matures from and takes the next step with. Ryan, you know, you've been as high on him as anyone. How are you feeling right now about his progression? Well, to be to be fair, my praise for him has been less about what I think he can do this year and more about his potential and, and where I think he's going uh, with his size, quickness, vision, all that stuff. Uh, I don't think he's close to a finished product, but I love his future with this team. Uh, it's not so much uh, like the way I am about Deron Davis, where I think Deron Davis can make a huge impact on this team now. Uh, that said, I was really encouraged the other night not just by the points or rebounds or assists or, you know, the, the, the raw numbers. One thing is he played 45 minutes, only had two turnovers. Now both turnovers were really bad, but just two in that much time for a freshman is pretty great. Um, he's, he's a heady player. He's a smart player. And, uh, you know, that one, one play that was great was Josh Newkirk hit a three. Uh, I think it was in the second or in the third overtime and Devante snuck in and stole the inbounds pass and laid it up and in, um, you know, just realizing that the guys on the floor are tired. Uh, they're not going to be paying as close attention as usual. And he just kind of snuck in with a smart play, stole the ball and laid it in. It was an easy five point swing for Indiana. And it was, it wound up being huge at the end of the game. Now, he also took a lot of really bad shots in that game, kind of got lost in the shot clock a few times and forced things up. Uh, at one point he had had a stretch where he wasn't playing very well. And he just early in the shot clock fired a three. And that's not the kind of thing you do. If you're going to win a basketball game, uh, he'll learn that going forward. Again, you've got to have the caveat with these guys. I don't care if he's starting and playing 45 minutes, he's still a freshman and he's still 18, 19 years old, you know? So uh, I, I, I'm, in, I'm encouraged by his growth. Uh, but as we've seen with freshmen in the past, you'll have a good game, you'll have a bad game, you'll have a good game, you'll have a bad game. I mean, that's just that's the nature of it. If you're not a first round pick NBA guy when you set foot on campus in college, uh, it's going to be a struggle to get up to speed in college basketball. Um, you know, we're not dealing with guys at Kentucky who are all going to be gone next year and be selected in the top five. These are typical college basketball playing freshmen who uh, have to develop and they need to be given time to develop. And, and Devante is one of those guys who came from really far off the radar as a recruit um, and has, you know, considering how far off the radar he was and the fact that he's starting for Indiana in February as a freshman is pretty amazing. So you got to give him credit for that, but you also got to keep an eye on him for the coaching staff and have him keep pushing and keep improving because, you know, he's, he's, he's certainly a guy who's going to be a candidate to be the point guard next year. And I, I think he may win the job. And we should also mention he's starting because James Blackman Jr. was hurt. He wouldn't be sure. starting were that not the case, but still well, impressive sure. what he's doing. Andy, I mean, but the fact, the fact that he had enough confidence to step on the floor and play 45 minutes and not yeah. just completely shrink from the competition in the middle of the Big Twin season is a pretty big deal. 
No, for sure. Andy, are you buying Devontae Green as an important part, not just of the future of Indiana basketball, but of, of the immediate future, these next, you know, the rest of these games in Big Ten play? Can he play a role in this team salvaging the season? Well, I mean, I think so. Like I said before, he, he to me, is the best guy entering the post uh, to Brian, and I think that's been a big part of his success. You know, he's played on the floor with him a bit more than he probably was earlier in the season, had the ball in his hands a lot more. Um, so I think that's that part of it's paid dividends. I think the other thing that he does, you know, really well is pressure the ball defensively. Um, you know, obviously uh, listed among this team's strengths is not going to be uh, preventing dribble penetration or uh, or any number of defensive uh, defensive fundamentals. But I, I think he really has the chance to be disruptive and was a guy who really talked about that coming in. that He wanted to be. I forget whether it was the best defender in the country or in the in the league, but you know certainly has aspirations to really impact the game on that end of the floor, and that's something that this team needs. Uh, I think where he can struggle at times is you know Ryan talked about Robert Johnson kind of playing too slow at times. Uh, I think Devontae can really get sped up uh, and understands totally. how fast IU wants totally. to play, and I think you you know some of those three point shots where he takes them early in the shot clock are like hey I'm trying to really push things and. And do things like that. And I think that's part of being a freshman is he has to try to find that balance. Uh, not any different than, you know, name any point guard in the in the Korean era has had to try to figure that out. So I think he will figure that out over time. But I think that's where he, uh, you know, if there's a place that he's really struggled is like trying to figure out where to pick his spots uh, and really go in. But he's he's certainly made some big baskets, made a huge bucket at the end of that uh, Michigan State game and, uh, you know, has been on the floor in in key minutes. And, and I think that will certainly serve him well and has, has generally performed well. Uh, in those scenarios. And you would always rather have to slow a guy down than speed him up too, which is good for Devontae. Ryan, you have something else on Devontae? Well, I think that there's a delicate balance here of, of, of it's really hard to figure it out is, is playing fast, but being under control. And, and I think that it's great when a guy plays fast, but the problem young guys have is learning when, you know, that they have to be, that they, they got to play fast to the max ability that they're still under control. Cause if you lose control, then it's turnovers, then it's, it's chaos on the floor. And Curtis Jones has had that issue too this year. Um, especially coming off of, you know, when these guys are playing AAU ball and things like that, that's basically just run and gun and you know, a pickup game. And so when you're trying to play fast within a structured system at the college level, it's, it's a huge change. And that's why, again, you like to see these guys become sophomores because they've got a full off season and a full year under their belt. And they understand the system, understand where they're supposed to be. And hopefully they get it. You're listening to the assembly column, Jared Morris here with Andy bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Let's talk about the other freshman who played big in the Penn state game. And that's Deron Davis. And two moments for Duran really stuck out to me. One was in the first half when he came in, and Freddie McSwain was part of this lineup, too. It kind of been a back-and-forth game, and I thought they changed the energy for Indiana because Duran came in and was just busting his butt. He was banging down low, playing tough, you know, really moving on defense, and just there was a toughness and an energy about them that I thought really infiltrated the rest of the team and got Indiana prepared for the big run that gave them the nine-point halftime lead. And then... The plays at the end of regulation. You know, Indiana's down 72-70. They need a bucket. Who do they go to? They go to their freshman, Deron Davis. They have enough confidence in him. He gets fouled and steps up and knocks down the two free throws with all the pressure in the world on him at that moment. That was just really impressive. And I think we've talked about the maturity of his game, you know, and how mature his footwork is and his post moves. But I thought what we saw in the Penn State game was just the maturity of his mind and how emotionally mature he is to be able to handle a moment like that and to be able to come in off of the bench and be an energy guy when his team really needed it. Um, I just, I was really, really impressed by what we saw from him. And I think, 
you know, it hurts a little bit that he and Thomas can't play more together because that limits the amount of time he can be on the floor. But we consistently see him do good things when he's out there. Um, Andy, what did you think about Duran against Penn State and, and your thoughts on him for the rest of the season? Well, I think, you know, if there's any, I'll start with the one negative. And I think he has, you know, really struggled to finish around the rim in the first half of the, the Penn State game. I mean, he ended up with nine points. He could very easily have had 15 or 16, um, you know, with that. And that's something he's going to get better with over time. Uh, but overall, you know, he continues to show great patience in there uh, when he gets it in the post, doesn't panic. Um, and, and just the the calm to step up and make those free throws is something that not a lot of freshmen uh, are able to do. You think back to Brian a little bit in the Kentucky game in the, in the tournament last year, you know, having to, you know, step up and make even bigger free throws than that in a, you know, NCAA tournament game. But, uh, you know, I, I think he's really active uh, on the offensive on the offensive glass. That certainly helps his team. And again, uh, those are the kinds of things that they're going to need to do without Ananobi, without Blackman for however long that ends up being is to, you know, kind of save or create other possessions through offensive rebounds. So he had three last night. Uh, IU just mauled Penn state on the glass overall uh, over the course of the game. And, you know, two blocks and two steals. He always just seems to be a guy who ends up around the ball. Uh, and I think that's in part due to his instincts and, and things like that. Uh, as you said, I think playing he and Bryant together becomes a real challenge for this team defensively. Uh, we'll certainly see them try to weave that in from time to time, but I, I don't know that we'll see that as much as some people might like to uh, just because it, it's, it's a real struggle to figure out how you match up in, in man defense and even having one of those guys have to cover the wing if they go to a zone. And now over to Duran's personal hype man, Ryan Phillips. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I've been impressed with Duran. The thing I love about Duran, um, aside from, you know, everything else, is uh, is the fact that his expression never changes. I mean, when you know, those key free throws that he hit late to send the game to, uh, I think it was sent to the second overtime. Or no, it was sent to, to first overtime. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, he just, his expression never changed. You know, he just walked to the line, made his shots. And 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 you see that with him. He never gets too high or too low. Uh, and, and he's built like a man at, you know, 19 years old. Uh, he's just a big guy. He's a strong guy. And Andy's right. He needs to finish better around the rim. Uh, I think that most guys struggle with that when they enter the Big Ten. Most guys at his position struggle because you know, you got to get used to taking the pounding you're going to take. Uh, Thomas Bryant being so good at it last year was really an aberration. That is, that is not typical. Um, and part of the reason was he wasn't getting double teamed because we had so many guys who could shoot the ball. Uh, so Deron Davis now, when he gets the ball in the post, they're going to have people going after him, hammering him, just trying to get him out of his rhythm. And, uh, and he's got to, he's got to deal with that. And he's got to play through that. So he's got to be more effective finishing. And if he can't finish, get fouled and get to the line because we've seen he can be effective there. But uh, in the Penn State game, also, you got to remember, he stepped in in the in the third overtime when Thomas Bryant fouled out and Jawan Morgan had fouled out. And who was the guy they went to? It was They had to go to Deron Davis, and they did. And, and he really, you didn't feel uh, any real concern at that point, even though Bryant had played so well. You, you knew that you could rely on him. And I think that that speaks volumes about the kind of player he is, that he, at his age, that you already feel fine if he's the guy replacing your star who gets who fouls out I yeah, that's, that's a really when Duran gets on the court yeah I mean that's that's a really good point I mean Bryant had played uh I think I'm not even sure how many he had played the entirety of the first two overtimes at that point in the last uh you know five minutes so he played about 15 minutes straight at that point as I'm as I'm looking over this and it played a ton in the game uh and to be able to get him a little bit of rest and and Davis gave that and not only gave him rest but 
uh, produced one of the better lineups of the game. That that group that he played with ended up outscoring Penn State by six points in that final overtime. Wow. Very cool. All righty. Well, coming up, we look ahead to Indiana's two big games this week against Wisconsin and Purdue. We give you our bold predictions. All of that in our final segment on the Assembly Call. Stay with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call presented by HoosierProud.com. I am Jared Morris talking IU hoops with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. Andy, two huge games for Indiana this week. At Wisconsin, home against Purdue. Most people expect these to be losses, I think, now for Indiana, given how the Hoosiers have played and how well Wisconsin and Purdue have played. But let's set the stakes. I mean, if Indiana can win one of these games, isn't this the kind of win that could you know, move them up a spot or two you know, in, in terms of the bracketing lines and really make it so they'd have to just totally collapse to miss out on the tournament? Yeah, I think the, the biggest challenge for them is, again, if they don't go, if they don't wind up nine and nine in the league, then they, they put themselves in a position where they, they could very easily enter the tournament with 14 losses, uh, at which point the odds of getting it at large go down pretty significantly based on, on recent history. So, um, you know, to lose both of these and be two games under 500, uh, heading down the stretch to the last six games really puts a ton of pressure. It would also include, you know, losing another home game, which they really can't afford to do. And in terms of the matchup, I mean, it kind of t- we know that Purdue is probably the more likely win just because Indiana's playing at home in that game. But does Indiana match up better or worse against one of these two teams in your mind? I, you know, I, I just think based on maybe personnel wise, you might say Wisconsin. But I think stylistically, that has been such a problem for IU facing Wisconsin, uh, really for not just in the Korean era, but for but for years. So I guess I would say. Purdue almost by default, even though I don't know that the matchup there is particularly good uh, either, other than the fact that while many people think that, you know, Purdue becomes really formidable by playing Haas and Swanigan together, that has clearly been something that Matt Painter is is hesitant to do. Uh, and so while a lineup like that might give IU trouble, uh, by the same token, it might also give them a chance to be able to play both Bryant and Davis together, as we just talked about earlier, they've they've struggled to find opportunities to do. Ryan, how excited are you about Indiana playing at your favorite venue, the Kohl Center? Oh, oh, <laughs> thrilled. I love games at the Kohl Center, man. And it's, it's an early uh, afternoon game, too, your favorite. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, it's as I said before, it's essentially on the campus of Hogwarts, and they've cast a spell that no fouls exist in that arena on Wisconsin. Um, so you just got to play through it. I mean, it's it's completely normal. I mean, wh- wh- why would anyone complain about that? It's playing in a magical fairyland where fouls do not exist on Wisconsin, who does not commit fouls. Um, we really have to compile the statistics on that at some point. I know somebody's done it in the past, but maybe that's an assignment for for one of our interns <laughs> would be to uh, to compile the foul count at the Cole Center over yeah. the last say ten years and see what it comes out to. Do Ryan's dirty work for him, interns. That's what he's saying. By the way, folks, I mean, I'm on the show. It doesn't mean I have to. <laughs> I mean, I'm 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 one of the three stars of the show. I mean, somebody has to do this for me, right? I mean. 
Folks, if you haven't listened to one of our post-game shows, you definitely want to tune in for the one after Indiana plays at Wisconsin because Ryan is usually in, in top form. Absolute top it's form. Usually, those rants are what are going to get me to the Hall of Fame, folks. They it's, are. Uh, you know, I'll be a borderline guy, but you'll hear those rants, and it'll just put me right over the top. All right, guys, with our final few minutes, let's move to bold predictions. Uh, last week, Andy said that Thomas Bryant would have 15 points and 8 rebounds. He had 23 and 12. I guess that was in the Penn State game, or was that the Northwestern game? That was the Northwestern game. That so was Northwestern. He gets that right. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't get credit. He, he gets he that. Get credit. He gets that right because it was at least. Well, Thomas Bryant did not have. 15, he did not uh, have fifteen this, and eight in that game. He did not yeah. have fifteen and eight. Okay, this so, bitterness is not a good look on you, Mister no, Phillips. It is not, not a good look. It is not. We're we're getting very pedantic here as we as the show uh-huh. ends. Uh, Ryan said that Indiana would would win both games this week. That unfortunately didn't happen. And I said that Robert Johnson would have fifteen points and five rebounds against Northwestern. That didn't happen either. So Andy has opened up a two game lead, a two week lead. He's four and six. Ryan and I are both two and eight. As we head into this week, <laughs> Ryan and I are both two and eight as we head into this week. So let's go to our bold predictions for this week, guys. Ryan, you lead us off. You're actually going to do a bold prediction for the Indiana Wisconsin game. Uh, what is I am. It? I think Thomas Bryant is playing really well right now. Uh, I think he's going to surprise, and I think he's going to have a double double. It's, it's a really tough front court matchup for him, and Wisconsin does not allow a lot of rebounds offensively, um, and is a great defensive rebounding team. But I think he's going to he's going to continue his role, stay in the paint, and I think he's he's going to bring home a double double. How that'll impact the game. I don't know because I use clearly going to have 47 fouls and Wisconsin's going to have about six, but um, I would say a, a double double for Brian. You know, it's become a weekly tradition to ridicule your bold prediction pick, but I think this is actually a fair one because Thomas's probably his worst game of the season came against Wisconsin earlier. He only played 21 minutes, had six points, just three rebounds. So if he can bounce back and get a double double in their venue, that would definitely qualify as bold. Mr. Bottoms, your bold prediction. I mean, the boldest prediction of all might be that IU actually gets into the bonus at the Cole Center in either half. But I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go that route. See, actually, do, we didn't I'm say insane one, prediction. I, I'm oh, not the true. only one who thinks this, folks. That's true. Well, everybody thinks it. Everybody knows it. Um, so no, I, I'll, I'll go with the Purdue game. I'm gonna say Robert Johnson uh, in a game that IU really needs to win. I think the environment's gonna be good. I'm gonna say he goes for uh, 20, at least. Okay, Ryan, at least 20 points uh, in the game against Purdue. There we go. You know, and I'm I hope a writer, English language is important to me. Thank you. you. Know, oh boy, this is going to lead to some kind of Oxford comma discussion between the two not, and I can't handle it. We're not going to go there. We are not going to go there because that'll just take us totally off the rails. Um, you know, and, and Andy, I, I hope that the environment is just bonkers for Purdue. You expect it to be, and I think the fact that Indiana won that game against Penn State, you know, will will fend off the apathy that might have set in if that win had not happened. So that gives me some hope. For my bold prediction, you know, I tweeted this out. I've had this weird kind of gut feeling that Indiana is going to go up to Wisconsin and play okay. You know, they don't have, for the first game really all year, they don't have a lot of expectations, and they can kind of play with house money a little bit. And I just think it's kind of one of those weird afternoon games, and whenever Indiana has a closer-than-you-would-expect home game in one of those weird afternoon games, we kind of chalk it up to that and that weird things can happen. And so, you know, I think maybe some momentum from the Penn State win and Josh Newkirk has kind of found himself if Blackman is back I think Indiana goes up there and keeps it within six against Wisconsin I'm not bold enough to predict that we're going to go up there and get a win in Wisconsin but I do think Indiana goes up there gives them a game keeps it within a couple possessions keeps it interesting for 40 minutes and I think if they can do that that can keep some of the momentum going as we head into that Purdue game on Thursday 
All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this week's episode of the Assembly Call. Make sure you join us at assemblycall.com after Indiana's games against Wisconsin and Purdue for our post-game shows, or you can subscribe to our podcast by searching for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. Our thanks to Hoosier Proud for sponsoring this episode. Go to hoosierproud.com and use the promo code AC for 15% off. And thank you for listening. We'll be back to talk IU hoops again with you next week. Until then... Keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim, and go Hoosiers. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Rocket Pro Insight makes it easy for real estate agents to help clients strengthen their offers with a verified approval, giving you the power to adjust the approval letter amount. Sign up today at RocketPro.com slash real estate. Offer terms and details, equal housing lender, license 56, NLS number 33, verified approval, only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions.